Jesus said, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Please be seated. Well, good morning uh, to everyone. Um, at our 11:15 service, we are going to have uh, the blessed opportunity to enact the liturgy, in a sense, and to enact the scripture, a, a time when um, the words that we hear in the gospel readings will actually come alive in what we do. We're going to be baptizing two children and welcoming them, as Jesus said, to welcome them and realizing who it is that we welcome. That will be happening at 11.15, but it happens at every baptism. And it's something for all of us to consider and to hold dear and to think about when we participate in those services and when we worship in those services. Because when the congregation, that is you, when you are in those services, when you say, we receive you into the household of God, we are making a bold affirmation that should call to mind just what we heard Jesus say to his disciples. The children, the adults, come to us as Christ among us. In a sense, you can look at that service as um, a nativity scene, if you will, in which we are in the roles of Joseph and Mary, who are entrusted with the care of God's most precious gift, himself. In ways that are mysterious and beautiful, the divine is present in the souls of these children whom we will welcome into the body of Christ as it, it is mysteriously present in each one of us. Now this act of, of welcoming also brings with it a responsibility that is inspired by a part of our gospel message. And that responsibility is found in servanthood. As Jesus said, whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. We need to put an emphasis on all. The acts of servanthood must be found in what we might call the big house and in the poor house. Acts given and expressed to the rich and the impoverished, the spiritually sound and the faith deprived, the presumptuous and those blinded by their prejudices. There is through many traditions the, the classic story in which the Holy One comes to an expected meeting and the, he comes or she comes in disguise, disguised as a pauper. And of course, the expectation is that the Holy One will come with all of his or her glory. And of course, everyone misses him. And they send the pauper away hurriedly because he or she is an embarrassment and the Holy One is coming. Of course, the Holy One then changes clothes, comes back in all his glory and says, hey, I was just here and you all did not see me. Servanthood expressed to all a challenge to all of us and where we find that act 
and how it can be expressed. Throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus, in a sense, practicing what he preached. He goes to the house of Jairus, who is the leader, a leader in the synagogue, a high official. He goes to that house, but at the same time, he does not neglect the woman who is standing and sitting there by the side of the road, who is afflicted by that issue of blood that had been going on for 12 years. You all remember that story, don't you? Of what happens and how that happens. He has his heart open to the leper who comes to him and says, You, I know, you can make me clean. And the same way he comes to the father whose son is stricken by a fearsome and destructive spirit. And it is this father who, in seeking Jesus' aid, poignantly cries out, I believe! Help my unbelief! Again, who among us has not been in a situation where, we, where our, our faith is, is hanging by a thread sometimes? I want to say, I believe! The Lord, help me in my unbelief. Strengthen me in my unbelief. Jesus' encounter with his father and the son is one of the great gospel stories, and it comes right before today's passage. And for some strange reason, brothers and sisters, that I can't figure out, it is never in our lectionary. We never get a chance to engage with this story. But I would encourage you to take a few minutes today, in the week to come, and sit with Mark chapter 19, verses 14 through 29, you'll get some insight into the deep heart of compassion that beats in our Lord and of the ongoing predicament of the disciples who found themselves powerless against this particular demon. The story lies in the background and informs today's encounter there in Capernaum and the argument over who is the greatest. If you call, chapter 9 begins with James, Peter, and John in the privileged position of witnessing Jesus' transfiguration there on the mountaintop, where he glows, in a sense, and Moses and Elijah are with him. The words and the, the, the prophets are with him. And the voice comes, God declaring, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. They have that privileged moment. And then they come down from the mountain and encounter, as I said, the Father, who said to Jesus, I asked your disciples to cast out the demon from my son. They could not do it. And later, as the disciples walked along on the road to Capernaum, you can possibly imagine James, Peter, and John saying to the other ones, you know, if we had been there, we could have cast out that demon. See, we, we have special powers, because that's why Jesus took us up on the mountain and didn't take you all. We had been there. And now the argument breaks out. Who is the greatest? Who is the most favored? Keep in mind that Jesus has just told them that he is going to be betrayed. This is the second time he's brought that up to them. He's going to be killed. He will rise from the dead. And none of this they understand. And rather than ask him, they argue amongst themselves. And when Jesus calls them out, which is an act of servanthood, to call us out is to help us and to be a servant to us. When he calls them out, 
They have nothing to say. Our teaching moment has arrived. And the path to greatness, we understand, comes by way of servanthood. The commentator Don Wilhelm, who I'm, I'm reading along with uh, my studies this year on Mark's Gospel, in her commentary, um, she says, if we cherish the priesthood of all believers, that idea that we are all, in a sense, you know, priests serving each other, then Jesus proposes something that is far more radical, the servitude of all believers. In this conception, when we serve each other, the hierarchies and the worldly pecking orders, those ideas that consumed the disciples and that often crippled the church's mission, that is laid aside for the servanthood of all believers. Father Manoj and I engage in our priestly ministry of servanthood at the altar and in the world, as I did last week with the Gregory family, and as he did this week with the community of St. Anne's School. In our time of need, you offer your priestly ministry to us. Brothers and sisters, I will never forget the outpouring of prayer and support that I received last year after my back injury. It allowed me to open myself up to your Christly ministry. You see, mutual servanthood humbles the soul. Again, I offer a few words from Don Wilhelm. She says, we need to encourage one another to serve as Christ serves us. In doing so, Christ promises that we will not only discover him among us, but the one who sent him. Now, servanthood need not be limited to the personal level. Speaking truth to power, seeking justice and equality, these can also be seen as acts of service because in those gestures we serve the common good and Christ and God are present. This life of service and mutual caring begins with the simple yet powerful gesture of welcoming a stranger, regardless of their worldly standing, the high and mighty, the powerless and vulnerable. All are welcome. That's our motto. And that's our challenge, that all are welcome. Just this morning, there was a, a gentleman sort of sat out on the bench out front there in front of the church there, a guy named James. Some of you might have known him and seen him. Um, a truly troubled soul who has been on the periphery of this church for years, predates my coming here. All are welcome. And how do we enact that welcome? How do we serve even in that trying situation in which we can expect nothing in return? All are welcome. That's our motto. That's the church's motto. And it doesn't mean just that it's okay for someone to come in and take a seat in one of the pews. It just doesn't mean that it's okay for someone to come forward and receive communion. We're talking about one of the foundations of our faith. Some might call it radical hospitality. 
The writer of Hebrews says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. In the stranger, we may not only find Christ, but also God. But St. Paul also cautions us to be discerning and to be wise. In his letter to the Corinthians, his second letter, he says that sometimes Satan is able to disguise himself as an angel of light, to be discerning. Of course, Jesus famously says in Matthew's Gospel, I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. The children, Jacob and Brindy, who will be baptized at 11.15, they're strangers to us, most of us. And yet today, in that service, they will become one with us. In the Gospel story, Jesus, in a bold and exquisite gesture of tenderness and instruction, brings a child into the midst of the warring disciples. He wraps this child in his arms, and in a loving embrace, he calls his followers, including me and you, to consider the essential truth of our faith. Whoever welcomes one such child, one such vulnerable soul, whoever welcomes that person in my name, welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me welcomes not just me, but the one who sent me, the one who has called us into being and has called us into our faith. Consider these words well, brothers and sisters, and hold them close to you as you go about in your daily lives, seeking to serve, seeking to welcome, and seeking to see Christ among you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.